portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. Nothing much. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right, man. Oh, feel like the week's almost over. And feel like it hasn't even started yet. Happy twenty eighth episode of Two Sorry Excuses. Twenty eight. Nice. Hopefully, a record breaking Two Sorry Excuses episode because June has put us on the map. We are on fire, dude. In the last three weeks, we've accumulated 400 downloads. That's ridiculous. Primarily from our last three episodes. Two sorry, uh, seersuckers, lawnmower men, and garden party. But that only accounts for 300. That only accounts for three quarters. So that means folks are... uh, Digging into the archives. They're going back, man. And I'm I'm looking at the past episodes and... The stats from, you know, episode one, episode two, episode three, episode four, you know, they're really creeping up. They're, um, you know, they're up to the 80s, 70s now. Um, So I think that's great. But, you know, if you're just tuning in and you're listening, I got to tell you, man, um, we sucked back then. Yeah, but that was some of, you know, that's like digging into that... uh, you know, that's like a Grateful Dead at Kizar Stadium, man. <laughs> <laughs> Go into the bootlegs, dig a little deeper, you know? We got like a 40-minute Dark Star on there, man. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So so people apparently are getting into it, which is good, because we, um, you know, we got a lot of stuff going on. I'm coming to you uh, from the brand new Two Sorry Excuses Studios in Asbury Park, New Jersey. The Two Sorry Excuses Network Center in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Exactly. <laughs> uh, technically, all I did really was move from the west end of the third floor to the east end of the third floor. Okay. But, but I think it's got huge ramifications. Number one, I think it's um, cooler on this end of the of the house. Better acoustics? The acoustics are better. And... The window faces the soft side of traffic. Ah, the old window faced the firehouse, so every once in a while, I'm sure, yeah. um, folks tuning in could hear the fire trucks rolling out. It also um, overlooked um, the uh, Ghetto Fabulous Melrose Place, which is um, kind of a low-rent version, uh, low-rent New Jersey Asbury Park version of... The old Melrose Place set up. I don't. I don't know if you remember that, but it was kind of like a courtyard. It was almost like yeah, a yeah. like a motel kind of setup. Well, my neighbor um, over the fence that you know has a kind of a, like a multi unit complex, and they're always sitting out there barbecuing, having a few beers. They're not hurting anybody, but it it comes through the window, and you can hear it. Um, you can hear it pretty well. But um, I, I I like this new setup. What I had to do was I consolidated the third... I was actually just thinking about this um, as I was moving some furniture around. The setup of my house now is um, is eerily similar to the setup of 1106 Madison Street. It's a three-story house. There are 
um, there's there's three main rooms on the first floor. On the second floor, there's three bedrooms. Okay. And then there is a third floor that um, has been apportioned into at Ma- eleven o eleven o six Madison would be two bedrooms, but here it's just an open loft area. But it's the same setup. So if you come up a, you know, kind of a an offset stairwell, and you come to the top of that, if you were to turn left, uh, if I were to put up a wall, that would be a bedroom about the size. Of the bedroom that I think you and I had the same bedroom in 1106. The one with the little balcony? Uh, oh, no, no, no. Third floor. Oh, I lived in the third floor originally. Okay. So the smallest room, probably 200 square feet. Was it the one with like the little half moon window and that was it? That was it. Yeah, that it, was miserable. It overlooked the, the back of the uh, parking uh, lot. Parking lot. Yeah, um, it was a little half moon window and that was the only window and you had to crawl if you wanted to look out of it. Yeah, that's where I put my bed. Yeah. And I lived up there for two years. I was in there for a, I guess it must have been the first full semester that we were there. The reason I got out is because Goldberg had the room on the second floor, the little balcony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was a cool room. But Goldberg was a little um, prima donna. He got pissed how loud we were, so he switched rooms with me. Oh, all right. Tell you, I wasn't pissed about that. Oh, see, I liked the third floor because it was way out of the way. When I went up there, I was like, oh, this is cool, you know, this room. But then it was just like, you know, that room had a little porch on it. We, the way we did it, for some reason, was really backwards. We didn't – we did things right, like, because you, we had so many different personalities in terms of, you know, in terms of chefs and – or chiefs and Indians, you know? Like, yeah. we ran the gamut. So somebody took charge and everybody else kind of followed in line. Um, and then that kind of rotated. There wasn't one, you know, kind of know-it-all dude. But um, I don't, we got off to the wrong foot when we moved into this house. We decided that th- um, that big, huge master bedroom that was on the second floor, which I'm yeah. sure was Brian Peters. Yes. Because <laughs> it was Mike Peters as well. Of course, and he was taking Bron- Mike's bed, Mike's de- water bed. We decided for some reason that that would be a split. That would be an open double. Two guys would share that room, That's and on, kind of uncomfortable when like you're you're moving out of, off of campus housing, right? And the third floor would be one person's bedroom because what it was was for folks who had never been to eleven oh six, it was it was two repurposed attic spaces. Yeah. So like the one bedroom Shaggy lived up there, and I lived across the way from him. The one bedroom couldn't have been more than ten feet by ten feet. Yep. And then there was a little alcove for a bed, so it worked out. The other room was a little bigger, maybe 15 by 12 or something, but it had the sloped ceilings. You know, there wasn't a lot of room. There but was, it was a real window in the other room. Uh, yes. Because I remember Shaggy being all drunk, smacking his ass at everybody down there out of that window. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they, in our... Infinite Wisdom decided that whoever lived on the third floor would have two rooms. One to put his bed and hang out in and the other one to have like a study area or whatever. Um, and we we drew straws or played golf or something along those lines. And I was one. There are two guys. The last two guys obviously were going to be the guys who got screwed. And it was me and Soap. And to that point, I mean I was friendly with Soap and we got along really well. But like... You know, he didn't live with us sophomore year. He'd only kind of been coming around every once in a while or whatever. 
Um, and I was like, great. Not only do I got to share a room, I got to share a room with Soap. I hardly know him. So... Wait, you were supposed to share I, the uh, big I, room? I lost a lot. So I was going to have to be one of the dudes who lived in an open it's, double. Yeah. So it's just so awkward. I said, wait, this doesn't make any sense. I'll take the smallest room possible, but I'd rather have that and be my own room. Yeah, of course. You'd rather have that and have privacy. And they were like, all right, well, if you're going to be a pussy about it, that's fine, whatever. So I ended up getting it and um, liked it. It was totally cool. I lived up there. It was really small, but no problem. I kind of make it, made everything fit. The moral yep. of the story is, fast forward 20 years, I am back living on the third floor in a 10 by 10 area that I'm going to call home for at least the next three months because um, the way I had this set up up here was on one end, in the smaller end, was um, was my little my, my little office area had my computer, fax machine, all that other stuff, and on the open end, the east end where I am sitting right now, was television, lounge chair, beanbag chair, kind of like yeah. a rumpus area. But uh, two things have happened: one, summer's coming, and I don't have enough air conditioners or disposable income to finance cooling the entire house. So since I've been working at home for the last uh, year or so, I'm going to have to... I tried to work up in the attic last year, and it was miserable. So I need to cool this area. And I have one air conditioner that I can either devote to my bedroom or I can devote to this third floor. makes more sense to put up on the third floor because I'm going to be spending the majority of the time up here you know, during my waking hours. But the second reason is... Um, I'm looking to rent out an extra room in my house. Now, you and I chatted um, after the pod last week, and um, you know we kind of got caught up on some on some personal stuff. But for those who listen to the podcast for the last 27 episodes and know that there is Ange from episode 28 on, Ange is temporarily no longer. Cohabitating right the series, to- cohabitating this domicile with me. So in order it was to like when um, Steve <laughs> left on Married with Children, you know, or Chuck, the older brother from Happy Days. Yeah, well, he went upstairs and never came back. Mysteriously left. Yes. So, um, in order to us, we shall never speak of Ange again. <laughs> in order to keep the high flutin lifestyle I've become accustomed to over the last. Uh, eight or nine months, um, I've taken to renting out two of my, two of my bedrooms. I live yeah. four blocks from, from the beach, so this is like perfect. Take on a summer border. You're like Forrest Gump's mom now. Exactly. <laughs> but that displaces me, so I am literally back to where I was as a 21-year-old junior. I love that you're... <laughs> living in 1106 Madison. Place, you're the the... More livable rooms to renters. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Now, here's a question, though. Yeah. If it's really like 1106, at some point, the world's greatest Jewish basketball player is going to walk in there and say, <laughs> Don't one of your mothers have a vacuum cleaner or something she can give you? This place is a mess. You're animals. Yeah, completely You're unsolicited. Animals. No warning. He'll just walk in through the uh, 
through the back door that leads to the uh, to the basement. Come on in. <laughs> the great scandal of eleven oh six. We've talked about this before. Was how he rented uh, per room at a price per tenant with yeah. post dated checks. Yep. And we took it upon ourselves to sublet space to Joe Romano. And that was the great scandal uh, of 1996. Come graduation time, he he would uh, he cornered each of us in a various part of the house, of course unsolicited, trying to figure out who Stephen Joe Romano was. I don't know how he put two and two together, because I mean, how many times did you get mail from somebody else? Of course, yeah, it's college. It's house. college, you know. So I don't know. I, I don't know what he had brewing, but um, he figured something was up, and he wasn't gonna let us get the better of him. So um, I remember one time he came over there. We're speaking, of course, of the great Dolce's, uh, who I spoke about this past weekend, since I was at uh, hanging around Jewish people. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say hanging around Syracuse people, but either way. No, because they, they actually knew who Dolce's was, so it allowed me to even speak more about Dolce's. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, once, this is like, it must have been the first year we were in there. For whatever reason, Dolph was coming to do an inspection of the house. For whatever reason. You like know, after mid- we'd already been living there. I guess he wanted to see how he'd been living there or something, you know? So Maybe like mid-year, he he's just showing up? Yeah, but we knew he was showing up. Okay. Okay. But we had holes in the walls and all this shit because we played Beirut, or as the youngsters like to call it, beer pong. But, uh, so we we put up, like, these liquor ads. You know how, like, kids put up liquor ads as their artwork? Right, right. For magazines, and he saw right through all that shit. You know, he's like, <laughs> oh, it's just covering up a hole. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, it's so stupid. Obviously, at the time, we were thinking about our deposit. At one point, we we hired we hired contractors to come patch up the holes in the wall professionally for our deposit. You know <laughs> how even much? Though, like when we left the place after two years, uh, that wasn't even considered. I mean, we had like a two hundred thirty-five dollar deposit. You know, I figured I was like, all right, so we rented this place for two years, twenty-four months with two hundred thirty-five dollar deposit. I think if somebody told me you could pay 10 bucks a month to trash the place, I'd deal with it. <laughs> so true. It's so true, man. <laughs> it's, it's called economy of scale. The yeah. economics of scale. I think, uh, I remember we, uh, I remember we were always like, Goldberg probably got his deposit back. <laughs> <laughs> Not because he was Jewish and Shays was Jewish, but because Goldberg was an assertive little bastard. Right. Right, right. He pulled out. He's Jewish. He pulled. Good times. Good times. Yes. No. So how did? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. So so we just assume Goldberg has deposit back. So how did Dolph Shays come up uh, at your uh, at your festivities this weekend? Uh, well, we were talking about. I don't know how we were. It was the day after when we were just sitting around with the two brothers and a few other people. And I know, we were talking about the All-Star, you know, me and the groom had gone to the All-Star game, the slam dunk contest years ago. We were talking about that for some reason. And I started, I don't know, we were talking about, co- oh, 
because they were talking about their college living situation. Then I was like, hey, you guys know Dolce's? And they're like, of course. I was like, yeah, he was my college landlord. <laughs> so I did tell the story about him walking in there at the time. He came in through the back, you know, the one, the entrance on the driveway that leads to the basement. Yes. He just let himself in. He used to let himself in all the time. I just remember that time he came and let himself in randomly. It was like in the afternoon, and we're all hanging out. He just comes walking in there, and he was so appalled at how uh, messy the floor was. And he literally said that. You know, like, <laughs> you know, he's, don't one of your mothers have a vacuum cleaner or something? Like, it was just like, you know. Uh, Never mind the fact that you're like violating all kinds of lease, uh, landlord, tenant laws right now. You're gonna freaking get on our backs for not having the place vacuumed properly. I was gonna say you would think after all those years of owning property, he would have gotten used to it. But I think I think our junior year, 1994, uh, was the first year he ever rented the house as. As a you know, as a as like a, a single, single unit, so a group of guys, yeah. So other than that, you know, you throw a bunch of individual tenants in there. Chances are, things stay relatively clean. Yeah, because people aren't messing around in the common areas so much, probably either. Right, right. And if they do, they clean up after themselves, or else you know, you you get into it. You know, the kitchens kept better. I don't know. I mean, he was a notorious slumlord too, so I guess he was used to being able to just go to people's houses and. You know, you'd be kind of yeah, crappy no, with them. Absolutely. Because, you know, slumlords don't care about the people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. So, whatever. It was just an honor to rent from him. <laughs> it's funny you bring up common area because now that I've started renting out room uh, to boarders, uh, borders. I've gotten... Drifters, transients. <laughs> Near duels. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, He's in town for carnival season. He needs a room. <laughs> I'm back in I'm back in roommate mode. And in all fairness when you break it down, I've I've probably had a roommate, you know, including Ange, including my time in Carousel, including you know, all my time with the flight attendants in Weehawk and including my time with Guy. All I your time with the flight attendants. I probably Right World's the most interesting man. <laughs> Time with the flight attendants. Just leave that out there. I don't often listen to podcasts, but when I do, I listen to two sorry excuses. <laughs> so I've had I've had roommates, but um, I found myself like I've adjusted well. I've had somebody here for a month, and I'm looking to get a second person in um, at least for the end of the summer. And um, you know, it's no big deal. I don't have the kind of house where you're you're watching TV in the living room. Uh, you know that kind of thing, but yeah. I've noticed um, that my naked time has been reduced considerably. I didn't yeah, realize. I figured it had to be a when you said roommate mode. I was like, no walking around naked, huh? I didn't realize how much time I spent naked. Yeah. Whether it's just going from one room to another or uh, air drying. Yep. So my roommate went out uh, today, and uh, you know I watched her leave and. I just hopped out of the shower and I I literally fist pumped because I got to air dry naked. <laughs> <laughs> it's just little it's the little yeah. things, you know? Yeah, naked time was a great time, you know. 
Hopefully, I'll be able to get that back. So we'll we'll, we'll see. One day, we'll one day we'll all get back to naked time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of naked time, man, how was a wedding? Oh, it was uh, it was outstanding. It was as banged up as I've gotten in a long time, man. So I feel like we've covered the lead up to the wedding ad nauseum, but we lost a lot of that conversation due to technical difficulties. So your buddy, um, well, despite the fact we're going to recap this, this is probably, you know, this is probably old news to at least 106 people that have, who have downloaded the garden yeah. party. Um, to the wedding. So yeah. you, you're down in DC for, for your buddy's wedding. It was, yeah, it was technically down in Maryland along the Maryland's Eastern shore. Okay. Which to me always was just a historically black college in the MEAC that occasionally made the NCAA tournament as a 15 <laughs> or 16 seed. <laughs> University of Maryland Eastern Shore. But, uh, you know, it's on the bay there, and it was at a house that his grandfather had built back in the 80s, his now deceased grandfather. And it was, I mean, you saw one of the pictures, you know? And if you've seen, well, you probably didn't look at Facebook, but before gone now, I was like, oh, man, this. This is, it's it's being held at the Bay House. I was like, I imagine this is going to be like Wedding Crashers esque. Is <laughs> everything about that, right? And um, fortunately, when I got there, my my thoughts were were confirmed that it was very Wedding Crashers esque. And then even like a, a girl who I know her date was telling her boyfriend or whatever. He was like, yeah, that Wedding Crashers actually, you know, that's like fifteen minutes away from here. The town where it was filmed. Uh, but it was very much like that. Like, you look out, you, you saw they had the pool right there. But it yep. was pro- it was on a few acres, you know. One side, they had all the table, the chairs set up for the wedding ceremony. On the other side of the property was the tent with the dance floor and all the tables for food and everything, you know. Okay. And it was like perfect damn weather. And the Friday night, that was the backyard barbecue casual. As you saw. Yes, indeed. You you nailed that outfit. Yep. Yep. I was in my white white collared shirt, you know, uh, with my seersucker shorts and flip flops, you know, and uh, and I was backyard barbecue casual for, for whatever that's worth. Although there was no barbecuing going on. Uh, but the big day was Saturday, and the funny thing is, I mean, this guy told me it was going to be a bacchanal, you know. <laughs> What's that mean? A bacchanal, like just a, a mad fiesta. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, a shit show. Yes. Okay. Basically. All right. Um, but like we had bought, me and the guys that were sharing a hotel room together, we went and bought some beers for like relaxing time before the wedding. Yeah, the wedding was supposed to take place at 530. Um, so we had a couple of beers and uh, I was on the bus the little uh, the bus bringing you to the wedding. And I had my can of Coors Light. And I got there, and I'm like, I finished. I pounded the can of Coors Light. I'm like, all right, I gotta hold this low. I don't want to look like one of those scumbags that shows up to the wedding drinking. Yeah, and then I get out there, and I'm like, oh, it's no big deal. The bar's already open. <laughs> before the wedding ceremony <laughs> yes, even happens. Before the wedding started, everybody was already drinking. <laughs> uh, that's like the kind of wedding you plan when you're still in college. Yeah, yeah. It was it was like that, you know? Mm. And uh the definition of Bacchanal is orgy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
a devotee of Bacchus, of course, one who celebrates the Bacchanale. Bacchus was a is the um, god of wine. Okay. But uh, so anyway, so I knew it was going to be that type of way. I was like, well, all right, but yeah, I guess it was a little cla- little a little gauche because it was in a can. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he started drinking right away. You know, he gets he has the the nuptials, and the odd thing was, while he was getting. While the vows were being said, in the background you see this hawk or some type of raptor bird come down and just pluck the fish out of the water. You know, <laughs> it was very, it was, it was quite symbolic of the whole uh, proceedings. Like, long story short, <laughs> which we're not good at. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, yeah, everything goes on. The drinks just kept flowing, blah, blah, blah. You know, eventually went to this bar. You know, after they finally shut the beer and liquor service down, and that was probably like 10 o'clock, you know, and like everybody's got to leave, which is a long time to be serving alcohol from 5 to 10. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially to us. For free. Yeah, and we were doing shots, whatever. The night before, we went to the same place, the Jetty. And it's one of these type of places where, you know, like they have those little vacation, coastal vacation towns where you can, uh, they got a dock and you can bring the boat right up to the dock, you know? Yep. What, was, was, what was the town? Do you remember? The town, we were in, I think, Graysonville. I think that might have been the name of our town. Okay. The, um, the property was on Bennett Point Road, which was... Near Bennett Point Farm, which was some kind of um, key place in the history of the country because they had a historical marker around there somewhere. You Got know, it. It was, um, I think Easton's right near there. Uh, yep, yep, yep. I got you. I know exactly yeah. where it is. All right. So we go to, uh, we went to the place the night before and I was like, oh, this place is miserable. You know, there was like, you know, all sorts of people you don't want to be associated with in there, you know? Right. Uh, it was a hell of a lot more fun the next night when we were blackout drunk. I tell you that. <laughs> but uh, what I like at some point before we left, I turned. You know, I was hanging out with the with the best man, the brother Matt Sislin. You know, uh, me and him were hanging out hardcore, and I was like, dude, I was like, I guess at some point before we even left the property, I was like, here, take my jacket. You know, <laughs> I even put it somewhere responsible, you know, which he, he pointed out to me next day. He's like, yeah, you were all completely responsible for putting the jack. You made a point. You were like, I'm putting it up here so it won't get lost. Uh, because I say this because once we were at the bar, like I was that messed up. I kept asking, where's my jacket? <laughs> and he kept reassuring me it was back at the house. But, uh, <laughs> Like at least three or four times, and three or four times he reassured me it was back at the house. Uh, which was amazing that he recalled this because uh, the night before he was really bad when we were there. But uh, he gave a best man speech in which he used the term water, water pipe no less than three times. <laughs> it's pretty great when he's saying that to a hundred something people in there, all the old relatives and everything, and they're probably all like. What's that? What the hell's a water pipe? Uh, yeah. uh, so we're at the jetty bar, and I take a shot, and all of a sudden, I had to vomit. It was bad. Oh, uh, like, 
You remember a couple weeks ago, I think we were talking about how long it's been since we vomited? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm working on about four days now. <laughs> so, uh, I was like, oh. I know, and I, my first thought is, we're next to water. I can go vomit in the water. <laughs> and I run out there, and he's like, no, you can't do that. If you can vomit on the boat, we're going to be in big trouble with there was about a eight-inch gap between the dock and the boat right there, and I just was vomiting right between that gap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is all the wedding. This is the wedding post-wedding, right? Post-wedding night. Yeah, yeah. This was this was probably like one o'clock in the morning. So uh, you got your fancy you got your fancy garden party wear on. What shirt did you end up wearing? The short sleeve. Uh, an orange long sleeve button down. Long yeah. sleeve, all right, long sleeve. Uh, and I completely forgot about the vomiting till the next day when I was uh, <laughs> packing up my stuff and and there was shrapnel on one of my shoes. Oh, oh I rubbed that off. I was like, I was like, oh, that's what happened last night. Because you can't travel like that. Yeah, like well, your entire suitcase will smell. No, yeah, I mean it was it was nothing. It was cleaned up. It was fine. All right, all right. Yeah, there was no worries. Like, luckily, I caught it before anything major happened, you know? Yeah. And I caught it before anybody in the bar noticed it because I never got tossed out of there for it, you know? Uh, but then the next day, we went back, you know, and... So, wait, what'd you do? Did you just go back in the bar and, and did you puke and rally? Yeah, yeah. Of course. All right, all right. <laughs> I had no choice but the puke and rally. Right. I don't even know. I know I started breaking the balls of some girl who was on the bus with us earlier about being rude to us. <laughs> it, it was one of the bride's friends. That's and, always uh, a surefire strategy when you go to a wedding, especially a wedding, but really any social function, stag, is to yeah. find a girl that you have some type of connection with, in this case riding a bus, good yeah. enough, and then bust her balls. <laughs> <laughs> What was it like? That? Don't like, stop until you alienate her. Yeah. <laughs> well, the bride and her friends, you know, they went to Dartmouth. Okay. You know, so like we get on the bus and we're the first ones on it, Chris, Sean, and I. And we're sitting there and then she comes and gets on and she starts talking to us. And we talk to her. And then everything dies out. And I was like, I was like, oh, uh, I was like, y'all got the keg mascot at. At Dartmouth, right? Have you ever heard of Keggy? No. Google Keggy. Keggy Dartmouth mascot. Because Dartmouth used to have an Indian for a mascot, going back to something we talked about in our last episode. Yes. But now that, you know, they don't have... So for years they had no mascot because they were just a big green. And much like Otto, some student decided to start dressing up as a keg. Got it. All right. You know, and this this only happened in the last 10 years, I think, you know? All right. In uh, 10 to 15 years. And she didn't seem too cool about it, you know? So there's the end of the night, and I think we were like in a, we were heading back in the same cab or whatever it was. And we had an encounter about that. And she's like, no, you were rude to me. Y'all wouldn't talk to me. I was like, I did try to talk to you. You didn't seem too cool into the keggy story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh- like, she came off totally like, yeah, fuck you. This sounds like you're on the eighth grade bus. Yeah. <laughs> but the next day, um, 
the next day we reconciled at breakfast. Oh, good, um, good, good, and, good. And then she 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 and her friend needed a ride back to the house with us to get their car, so they came back with us the next day, and, and it was resolved. You know, I I kept talking and telling jokes, and people were laughing, so life was good again. <laughs> but the next day, when we went back out there. You know, theoretically, Matt Sislin, the best man, his wife and I, we were supposed to go grab crabs together. Then he was going to bring me to D.C. to hit some spots, including Ben's Chili, and then I was supposed to go meet my friend AVM. Well, Matt Sislin really likes drinking a lot, so we weren't getting anywhere fast, you know. And it was like noon. I'm like, we got to think about leaving. He's like, well, all right, let's do a little bit. Then it was like 1 o'clock. I'm like, we really got to think about leaving. He's like, all right, after these beers. And then he goes and gets another beer, you know, <laughs> and it just kept gone and gone. But it did create another look, which I added to the the media library. It's a look I like to call backyard barbecue post garden party hangover casual. <laughs> <laughs> it consists of my reclaimed jacket and the t-shirt shorts. And a and a a magical top hat that I found on the property. <laughs> uh, he looks not unlike the type of dude that would have been passing out acid at Woodstock, <laughs> calling himself the Merry Prankster or something like that. Uh, I'm feverishly trying to get into uh, into our media library. Well, I'll just keep going with the story anyway about my about the. The hijinks. So, eventually, crabs becomes... Well, we'll get crab cakes. Eventually, crab cakes becomes... We'll get them and eat them in the car. Because <laughs> at this point, it's like after three and we're finally leaving. Uh-huh. You know, and... uh, So, we leave, we, we leave. We order the crab cakes. Call in the order. We go to this place called Harris's. Pick up the crab cakes. And we eat those, and he drives me into D.C., right outside Ben's Chili Bowl. Uh, go in there, you know, it's, we're talking like four-something now. Then my friend AVM and her husband came, because I was supposed to go meet him at a bar, but the bar was already packed up for the soccer game. Right. And we went and found this other place. And while I'm with them, you know, we're talking 5 o'clock or something now, I get the the text from the... Um, Airport telling me my flight's delayed to 9.45. I'm like, better. It's even going to be easier to get to the airport on time, you know? Right. And a little bit of the backstory here. When I went into Baltimore at first, I drove. I mean, I didn't drive, but I went into Baltimore to this place called Lexington Market and ate this place called Fadley's, which makes great crab cakes, like really good. They were the best crab cakes I had all weekend, which is actually saying something since I was... I felt like I was constantly eating crab cakes all weekend. <laughs> but uh, that area doesn't disappoint, right? I mean, they're well, they're famous for crab, so no matter where you go, it's legit. Yeah, I mean, the wedding had crab cakes as part of the meal. You know, crab cakes are everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I was there for three days. I ate crab cakes every day. <laughs> but this place, Fadley's, they, they make these great crab cakes, and they'll ship them to you or whatever. But I was like, I'll buy some and bring them back to me. You know, I asked them to, like, just make sure they're in the freezer. You'll be fine. So uh, Steve and uh, Sean and Chris, Chris's cousin lives near Baltimore. So we stopped at his house first. 
before heading down. And I was like, yeah, I got the crab cakes. I'm going to uh, just give them the guy at the hotel, put them in the freezer for me, you know? And they're like, you can put them in the freezer here. It's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, needless to say, the crab cakes didn't come with me because they became a casualty of of them being afraid they weren't going to get to the airport in time and hanging out in bars in Baltimore. Of course. Yeah. So that kind of peed me off. Like, I um, I texted Chris yesterday. I was like, man, those crab cakes are going to be really tasty in three to six months. <laughs> but, uh... But anyway, so um, I'm hanging out watching the soccer game with the Van Burens. Uh, Who are the Van Burens? I know they're they're Amy A A V B. I assume is Amy. Ashley Van Meter. Her name is like her last name's Van Meter, but she married a guy whose last name is Van Buren. How odd is that? <laughs> so they're basically the Vans. We like to call them the Ochos. If you remember from the uh, Seinfeld, the Van Buren boys. Uh, I don't know if I remember that. Uh, Kramer talks about the Van Buren boys. You know, they were a gang in New York, and they were called the Ochos. That was the sign you gave. Ocho. <laughs> Van, Martin Van Buren was the eighth president. Uh, got it. Got it. First Poland, our address was 401 Van Buren. What's that? Brewster Bull and the address was for Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I knew that sounded familiar. Yeah. Martin Van Buren, man. The only president who ever spoke English as a second language. <laughs> uh, Dutch was his first. Uh, anyway, so it's in the second half of the uh, soccer game. And I look at the clock and it says 7.02, you know, on my phone. I'm like, I was like, oh, Van Meter, how am I going to get to the airport? What do I need to do? Not even, I wasn't even contemplating that it was Sunday. And service would be slow, you know. You know how they slow service down on Sundays, like yeah. subways yep, and everything? Yep, absolutely. Stuff doesn't come as frequently, but not not a slave to public transportation now anymore. I didn't even think about it. And she's like, oh, oh, no, the last mark train, the commuter rail. She's like, the last one left at 7. And she's like, no big deal. She's got to get the Union Station. There's an Amtrak train leaving at 8. I'm like, oh, that's no big deal. She's like, it's really easy to get there. So, screwed around for a little bit, not even thinking that I need to be rushing out of there. Yeah, right. And we go down to the train station and say my goodbyes, whatever. I go down, and once I figure out how to operate their ridiculously, needlessly uh, complicated fare system that the DC train runs on, which really threw a curve. You know, like, you know, you're in Boston, you want to ride the train? It'll be this many dollars. Yeah, wait. So are you on the metro? No, you're on the commuter rail, but the commuter no, rail... No, it was the metro. Oh, it was the metro. That is insanely asinine, the way yes. it works. It's not one pay. It's like you got to look at, oh, peak travel time. It costs this much to go there. And you need to see where you're going. And it's like, oh, it's off peak time. That means it's this. And it says 170 but they won't let you put in less than $3 in the machine, <laughs> I discovered. I yeah. asked this girl how to run. Because first I went there and put my money in, just thinking I'd put my money in and get a fare. You know? But anyway. It's almost. Om- what to do. What? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, and another stupid thing about the way the Washington, D.C. Metro works is you need to put a card in the thing to get out of the metro. Right. I was just going to say, it's almost like the old uh, Charlie on the MTA. 
it costs a dime to get on and a nickel to get off. Yeah. So you have to have that card. So you put yeah. the card in, it registers that you have that much money to get from A to B, and then you get out at B, and it says, wait a minute, you don't have enough money, or you have enough money, and it lets you out, but it's re- it's ass- it's half-ass backwards. It's it's so stupid. It's something they could only have in a city that's run by the federal government. <laughs> you know, because it is that asinine. Which is too bad because otherwise it it rates up there with with they have a the best. Tra- they have beautiful train stations. Stations, the cars, the efficiency. It's all it's all up there. Except yeah, they're a hell of a lot cleaner than the ones in New York, definitely. And they're I think they're better than the ones in Boston. They actually have a thing telling you how soon your train is coming. Yep. Yeah. You know, which is very European because that was the only other place I've seen it. It was in Europe. Uh, it is a nice system. But, uh, which, so I get down there and it says next train. I had to make a transfer too. It's like next train, seven minutes. I look and it's four, 733. I'm like, I, at that point, I was like, fuck, I'm going to be cutting it close. So, uh, your, your train. To the airport leaves at what time? Eight o'clock. It's seven thirty-three, and only the first part of my train, the first part of my journey. I like know it doesn't take long to get where I need to go, you know. Right. But I'm like, all right, that means seven forty. So it does come in seven forty. I get on that, and you know, I think it was like three or four stops to the transfer station, and I get down to the platform I need to go to, and it's like I look up and it says five minutes, and I look at my I look at the time, and I'm like, fuck, it's 747. That's going to be 752. I only have to go two stops, but still, I'm really going to be cutting it. <laughs> I get out at Union Station at 755, and I'm running around looking for Amtrak. And this is one of the problems, as much as I'm all for automation and everything, one of the problems with all the automation is they don't have anybody working anywhere anymore. Right. You need a person. You need a, you yeah, need a like bell cap. I was cap. looking for somebody from Amtrak. So I finally came across the kiosk, and I just bought the ticket as quick as possible, and it allowed me to buy the ticket for the 8 o'clock train. You know? So then I started looking for where the fuck the 8 o'clock train is. <laughs> and I'm looking for the ticket. I'm like, does it say the gate? Of course the ticket doesn't say the gate on it. How stupid is that? And I'm running around, and finally I see the Amtrak guy. The only Amtrak employee I saw up in this point, I was like, hey, man, is that the train from WI? He's like, it's 801, man. It left. I was like, what? It let me buy the ticket. He's like, we gave you a chance, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, yeah, that's the one time they run on time, you know, is when they're leaving. Right, right. You know, like, <laughs> what the hell kind of, you know, I don't know. So that really pissed me off. So I, he's like, well, you know, uh, your best bet, you probably get a cab or something. I'm like, Fuck, because I know it's going to be a shitload of money. That's going to be a ton of money. I run up the Amtrak to see if I can get a di- a refund. They're like, well, this is the thing. We can only give you um, $33 back, $5 service fee. Or we can put it in a voucher. I was like, fuck it, put it in a voucher. I'm not giving the satisfaction of holding my $5. <laughs> you know, I'll use that Amtrak fare sometime between now and next year just to, just, just, for them to not to get over me on five bucks. Right, right. And the next train wasn't coming until 9.05. And and the plane was supposed to leave at 9.45. I'm like, there's no way that's going to get me there. Even if it's only a 20-minute train ride, I'm sure the BWI train stop is, you know, minutes away walking or however you get there from the uh, 
the area you need to go through to go through security and all that. Yeah, and Union Station to, to BWI is still about, it's about 30 miles. Yeah, well, they say it's, it like, I know it's supposed to be 20 minutes because I think it said 8 o'clock, arrival for 820, you know? Yeah, okay. So it's, I mean, because obviously they can go pretty fast because they don't have to worry about traffic or anything. Right. But, um, but like Chris and Sean, they had my bag with me, my one carry-on. So I, was, I told them, I'm like, I started texting them. I'm like, dude, I was like, I'm just going to have to meet y'all at the airport or whatever. You know, uh, I missed the train. <laughs> <laughs> so it literally is becoming planes, trains, and automobiles. But uh, at this point, you, you've still got, you know, an hour. Yeah. Before you need to be in security. Before you, yeah, you know. but I'm looking all over, like. I'm like, I gotta find a way to not spend money on a cab ride. I knew it was gonna cost me a shitload of money. Right. So I go up, I'm like, oh, they got all these buses. I'll go in the little Greyhound thing, I look at the schedule, and there's one, the next bus going to Baltimore wasn't until way after I needed it, you know? Right. Because like, this is all because it's Sunday, you know? Yes, yeah, all because it's Sunday. I'm like, frig, I have no choice. I'm gonna have to go get the cab. So I walk out front of Union Station. Now we're talking it's like 820-something, 820 or so, 825. I'm like, I'll just go get a cab out here. Big deal. I'll just have to suck it up and pay a bunch of money. I go out there, and I'm thinking I can just walk out there and get a cab. I see this line of people. (laughs) And there's like a guy, a couple of dudes dressed up like an official, you know, uniform polo shirts or something. And they're facilitating people getting in cabs. I'm like, oh, fuck, you got to get in line to get a cab here. And I, I walk around the corners. This line bends around the corner inside um, the little arcade area out front of Union Station. And I get, I just go straight to the back. You know, I say to some guy, I'm like, is this a line to get a cab? He's like, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> You know, I'm sitting there contemplating. Maybe I should just run up to these guys in the front and tell them, dudes, I need to get the fucking <laughs> BWI. <laughs> you know? Fuck all these other people. All these people are just going to places in D.C., you know? <laughs> and I'm looking, and the line's growing behind me. Like, like uh. there was like, next thing I know, there was like 20 people behind me waiting for cabs. Well, then randomly this... um. You know, like this Middle Eastern guy comes walking down, you know, in the black pants and white shirt. And he's saying something I didn't hear because I was just like in a glaze. But then I see him talking to this big old guy behind me. You know, he's like, yeah, I'll take you. And then I looked at him. He, he looked at me. And I was like, hey, man, can you get me to the airport? How much? He's like, $125. <laughs> he's like, uh, cabs cost 110 and I was just like, fuck. I was like, you take credit card? He's like, yep. I was like, fuck it. I'm gone with you, man. And uh, the one reason I said fuck it was because I remember when I stayed with Steve-O in Hackensack. Yep. I had an early flight at JFK. And the only way to get there was by paying $120-something for a private livery service, you know? Right. So I was like, all right. I suck it up. It's not like it was $125 to go like three blocks. It was... I didn't really have any alternatives at that point, you know? Yeah, you're screwed. You're literally yeah. screwed. 
So, uh, so he drops off the guy that that was with me first, you know. And I'm I'm wearing a t-shirt, shorts, and flip flops. That's all I have. And my <laughs> phone and my wallet. That's all I have. Uh, you know, I I told those guys I was getting there, uh, and like we get on the road, and I tell the guys like. I'm like, how fast do you think you can get there? And I was already thinking back in my head, got to be there by like 9.50 or 9.20. And the guy's like, I think I can get you there 9.50 and 9.20. And this is like 8.30 something now, probably 8.40 before we start my part of the journey. All right, you know, right. 8.38 or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, all right, cool. So he just starts booking it, you know, and then he's like, there should be no traffic. But then there was traffic because... Because it's D.C. Yeah, well, and also because all kinds of people from the suburbs came in because it's so patriotic to watch soccer in D.C. Apparently. Oh, right, right. Yes, which really blows me away, you know, because, I mean, yeah, I'll watch the U.S. and it's cool, but I'm not losing any sleep if I miss the soccer game. Um, the idea of people are coming 50 miles away to watch it in town blows me away. Uh, but he's like, what is all this traffic? And then, and then it dawned on him that it was the soccer crowd because this was not long after the game had ended. Right. 9.17, he pulls up to the airport. Uh, and he's like, uh, right before he's ready to pull up, he's like, we can pay now to get it done. You know, save you time. And he's like, do you want to add a tip? <laughs> Motherfucker! <laughs> like $125 is enough of a payment for right. a cab ride? For a 30-mile cab ride? You know? Unbelievable. Fucking $4 a mile. And, uh, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, sure. And I threw on $20 fucking dollars because he put me in that awkward position. You know? Right, right. And, but he let me off and then I'm like, I started thinking, I'm like, I hope I don't get any hassles in security. Because who shows up for a flight in t-shirts, shorts, and flip-flops and nothing else? No bag, <laughs> no piece material, nothing. And I'm rushing there. You know, it's like, like I thought they were going to pull me out or something because that's, like, sketchy. You know? And the you're... nothing who's running late to the flight. And you've been you've been in, in a number of stressful situations, so you're probably sweaty. You yeah. definitely smell like booze. <laughs> but just enough booze to be like hiding um yeah. you know those drug mules they can't eat or drink yeah, so they yeah. put like they put alcohol behind their ears and stuff yeah so you're probably exuding alcohol it, it's it's a scene i was so surprised how uh easily i was let through also because i know in the past, I've traveled through Boston and stuff, and they'll stop you and ask you why you're in town and all this bullshit. Right, right. You know, they didn't even ask me. They weren't even like, you're not going to read anything? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're sweaty, slightly casual, and running late. <laughs> you have nothing with you. Don't you... You seem suspicious. No, none of that at all. Uh, you know what? That makes a great epitaph. That's going to be your epitaph. Sweaty, casual, and running late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then I got there, and they still hadn't even started boarding a flight, you know? It was like, uh, by the time I got through security and everything, it was like 9.30-something. They were supposed to be leaving at 9.45. Play down, leave to like 10-something. 
I mean, part of me thought I could have saved money and still taken the next Amtrak, but fuck it. It made for a better story. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, when it's all said and done, you know, it's easy to second guess. But at the time, you're yeah. like, listen, I got, I don't know how this is going to play out. I got to do this. I got to be there. You know, what's 125 bucks, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I could I could have just said screw it and and change my flight to tomorrow. You know, it's a Monday. But I still would have been losing 125 bucks. Yeah. You know, because I wouldn't have gone to work. And I wouldn't have made the money that I make at work. And who's to, who's to say you wouldn't have screwed up those travel plans? Exactly. <laughs> All right, screwed up one travel plan. Right, the second one's easier. Yeah, exactly. So, so the good thing was I got on the plane and I was able to, uh, you know, take home my uh, copy of complimentary copy of Sky Mall. <laughs> which drew my attention right away because they... Because the cover was a automatic grill cleaning robot that I could not live without. <laughs> a grill cleaning robot that they sell for about the gone price of the grill grill cleaning robot is one hundred nineteen ninety nine. What? Um, <laughs> I have a grill, man. I've had a grill for at least fifteen years. You probably spent less than one hundred nineteen ninety nine on it. Uh, on the grill or cleaning the grill? The grill. No, no, no. no. I have a good grill. Oh, okay, but but still, a hundred twenty dollars on the friggin' machine to clean the grill. Yeah, that's I, I can't. I, yeah, like I don't think it's really that difficult to scrub the grill right before you grill. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. I've spent. Who needs this? <laughs> it takes about thirty seconds to clean the yeah. grill off because you know what? It gets to be four hundred degrees. Yes. It, well, I mean, that's the thing. You you want to keep that stuff on and burn it off and then scrape the crap off of it. Yeah, exactly. It adds flavor to it. Like, I'm like, who needs this? And to justify spending $120 on this to begin with, you need like an $8,000 grill, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, like, we have a nice grill at the house that we paid hundreds of dollars for, but I don't think that's worth buying a $120 tool to clean it. No, maybe if you're a restaurant, is it like restaurant quality? Uh, I mean, it may claim it is, but this is this is pitched to your regular everyday person with too much time and too much money that's traveling and buys stupid shit <laughs> in Sky Mall. Yeah, it's Sky Mall. Like I was just going through here. I know this is cliche, you know. I mean, they've talked about this a million times on Conan O'Brien, but it is full of stupid shit. They had this pillow that you inflate and put on the uh, the tray in front of you so you can fall asleep forward. Like, and they got a picture of a guy in there. Can you imagine setting that thing up on a plane? You know? No, no. Like, could you imagine having the balls to do that? <laughs> you know, hey, I'm just going to inflate this huge uh, friggin' pillow mattress thing. That was ridiculous. My favorite of these things, they sell these garden sculptures. You know, there was a, a, uh, there's a Bigfoot garden sculpture. They had a zombie coming out of the ground. There was a, um, one called Bigfoot, the bashful Yeti that you put on your tree and it looks like Bigfoot <laughs> peeking around your tree. Uh, uh, they, they have a gorilla 
in there. And they even, it's it's bigger than eight feet high for $5,000. Who is buying that fucking gorilla? <laughs> well, I'll be honest, man. As a matter of full disclosure, uh, I bought the bed that I have now is the Coal Harbor full storage bed. And I got it off a of Sky Mall. <laughs> really? <laughs> because it's, um, it's like a captain's bed. Yeah. It's got the drawers underneath and when um when we first moved to Asbury our apartment um the condo was only 700 square feet. So there wasn't a lot of room and it was only a one bedroom so we needed like a captain's bed and I'm looking at it right now. It, it's I'm look I got the I got the SkyMall catalog in front of me the bed with all the drawers that come with out. With all the drawers and for for a captain's bed it's pretty reasonable. It's only yeah. like 400 bucks. Um which I think is a pre- pretty reasonable price for a bed. Like, yeah, uh, 469 for the king size. Uh, we got the queen, so we downsized uh, a little all right. bit. Well, yeah, queen's 400 bucks. Yeah, that is that is a uh, reasonable price for a bed. Well, it's a piece of shit, which is why it only costs 400 bucks. <laughs> it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Really? The quality of workmanship on it is... It's got to well, be like particle board and shit. Yeah, there, huh? It's basically Sky Mall quality. Yeah. <laughs> Well, my favorite thing they were selling in Sky Mall is a autographed uh, Notre Dame helmet, autographed by Rudy Rudiger, uh, with the full uh, passage from that uh, five foot nothing quote from the movie. That that's inscribed on the helmet. It's it's written like in in permanent marker, and then Rudy Rudiger personally signs all of them. I just love that because that is not really anything that happened in Rudy Rudiger's life. It is a movie quote. It is a fictionalization that happened to him, and he's signing it with the real Rudy Rudiger signing that quote, like as if that is something that really happened to him. <laughs> I mean, you understand the ridiculousness of, ridiculousness of that? Well, don't get me started on Rudy, because... If you think that I've got a twisted viewpoint on Keanu Reeves, you don't want to hear my viewpoint on on the movie Rudy. I, you know what? I'll say this much about the movie Rudy. I hate Notre Dame. My dad hates Notre Dame. But when I was a senior in high school, that's when Rudy came out, and my dad and I went to see it just because it was a movie about football, and plus it was a movie about a little guy, and my dad's a little guy, so he likes that. <laughs> And and we really enjoyed the movie Rudy, so I really can't bash it. But I know you you're not the first person I've spoken with that is not a big fan of Rudy. Yeah. But I just find that that I was going through this, and I was just like, that was the first thing that really drew my attention: the fake quote from Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a movie quote. And then he signs his name to it. You know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it was, yeah, yeah, that's, he, you're going to have that quote there. Have friggin' Sean Astin sign the autograph. Right, right. You know? <laughs> um, I don't know what else I got. I don't want to go too deeply into Sky Mall because it already pissed me off. <laughs> the fact that I cannot just drop $5,000 to get that over eight foot high gorilla. the zombie of Montclair Moore statue and that's what killed me I was like obviously people are buying this shit yeah absolutely man you know they have this stuff made 
They are making this crap. Someone is buying it. You can get friggin' a Velociraptor to put in your garden. <laughs> Hanging ship jungle monkey statue. I I might actually like that. Uh. Iggy, Iggy the iguana. Come on, man. <laughs> it is so insane. This thing. Uh. I mean, it's just, and I was thinking, I was like, why? But I was thinking, I guess if you're one of these people who's traveling all the time, I don't know, you're bored. People love to buy shit. So you buy stupid stuff over here. Yeah, I'm a sucker. I can understand it because I'm a sucker for as seen on TV. Oh, they got lots of as seen on TV in here. There's a store here. Um, the as seen on TV store? Uh, no. It's it's called Harmon Beauty Supply. I don't know if it's a national chain or, or if it's just local in, in Jersey, but there's a couple of them. But yeah. as you walk in, there is an entire aisle of as seen on TV. And I, I swear it's so wives can get their husbands to go in and get caught up in the as seen on TV aisle while they go and shop for shampoo, makeup, yeah, and all the feminine accoutrements. Yeah, the only I mean, I guess so because that stuff is appealing. Because you want, yeah, I saw it on TV. I wonder if it actually works. Exactly. And now I don't have to pay twenty seven dollars for shipping and handling. Yeah. Um, what's going on? It's like you were in the quiet. <laughs> uh, Maybe they're yeah. coming after, coming for you now, huh? Yeah, I don't know exactly. Um where they're going because the direction they're headed is a dead end. Oh, uh, okay. The one thing I did want out of the Sky Mall catalog was in their Hamaker Schlemmer. You know Hamaker Schlemmer? No. They're like, I guess they're kind of like a uh, Brookstone-ish uh, sharper image type of place. Okay. I know they used to always have the dude come on like uh, Letterman. They used to always come on with all these interesting gadget gifts and stuff. But they have a voice-activated R2-D2 for 200 bucks. I, I would be interested in that, but not it. But but I'm not buying that for myself. <laughs> the pet ramp and staircase. Yeah. Don't need that. Um, I don't know. I, that's all I got on that. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of other ruminations that I was making during my journey. Uh... There was a guy that was in the row over from me whose tray table was down, even though they told him to put it up <laughs> at the end of the flight. I was totally thinking, this son of a bitch is trying to kill us all. <laughs> uh, I, I'll tell you something funny, too. We traveled on Southwest. Okay. And um, Chris, one of the guys I was with, you know, he's like super traveler. He's gay, so he's always traveling. <laughs> internationally and wherever he's always on the road you know okay gay people are never at home uh, he so he's got you know he knows how to travel and he's got all these points and all this shit you know because he's always piling up points uh he, he had texted me earlier in the day he's like did you check in yet i'm like no because i don't know how this works I, i've traveled southwest like once or twice you know uh this whole, like, where you got to check in so you can get a higher priority on the plane. You know, this whole treating planes like they're trains thing, you know? it's 
Very odd. Yeah, like what? You don't get a seat until... The way it works is you check in and then you're slotted into a boarding section. It goes like A, B, C, you know, A, 1 through 30, A, 31 through 60, you know, so on and so forth. Got it. Like if you're A1, you get first dibs at the best seat on the plane, you know, which means you're probably going to go for an exit row. Right. So, so they don't what? assign they don't assign your seats. Yeah, no assigned seats. Okay. It's like it's like getting on a Greyhound bus. Got it. Uh, so uh, he's like, "Oh, you're gonna get screwed." So, so I check in and I get C six, which is kind of a shitty assignment, you know. Yeah. And and I get on the plane, and he's in his seat, and I asked him to save me a seat, but he was already saving a seat for his boyfriend. So what could I do? Right. Right. Uh, he, uh, I get on and it happens to be, he's in the exit row and then across the aisle, the other exit row, there happens to be a seat in the middle of two guys. And I asked one guy, like, anybody sitting there? He's like, no. So I sat there. I wasn't going to get next to a window anyway, which is my preferred seat. Yeah. So I sat there and I didn't fly. I was like, yeah, Chris, I really got burned with that fucking uh, bad seating assignment, you know? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you really showed me. <laughs> I was like, I learned no lessons today, and I made it to my plane on time, and I still got a decent seat with ample leg room. <laughs> so, so that's basically how my trip went, planes, trains, and automobiles. That's a good trip, man. That's a good yeah. time. It's a good time. Um, I don't know if you have anything new, but uh, one thing we did... Miss out on talking about last week and all the hecticness was uh, Lee Zurich's uh, Edward R. Murrow Award. Yeah. So okay, our boy is on fire. He's he's um, he just finished uh, accepting his Peabody Award. Yep. And now he's got an Edward uh, Edward uh, Edward or Edwin Edward Edward R. Murrow. That's the one that George Clooney made the movie about. Good night and good luck. Ah, oh, good one. All right. Yeah. Um, um, so what's, is he still racking he up? He won it for the same thing that he won the Peabody Award for. The Louisiana Purchase Series. This thing's got more legs than top ten lists, oh, yeah. too. Before I came home tonight, I went I went out to meet some friends, and I was telling them about the podcast, because they're like, oh, you have a podcast? What are you talking about? It's like, well, originally we were supposed to talk about Syracuse sports, but now we talk about all kinds of random stuff. But uh, really, we talk a lot about Lee Zurich. <laughs> They're like, what do you talk about, his eyebrows? I'm like, no, no, no. We talk about, you know, uh, all his accolades. And I told him the origin story of how we talked about Lee Zurich was all traced back to Rob Langdon. <laughs> and I was like, he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, and my partner is supposed to be doing a Wikipedia page. And uh, the, one of the girls is like, no, that's BS. He's definitely got a Wikipedia page. I was like, well, as of like two months ago, he didn't. And she pulls out her phone. And she's like, you're right. He doesn't have a Wikipedia page. See? I'm like, yep, he yeah. doesn't, but he will soon. Yes, indeed. Well, soon. So uh, speaking of which, and not to, not to derail or minimize his uh, Edward R. Murrow award, um, yep. but so I've in my possession now, I have, two, I have our two major projects. Um, I'm still I'm still queuing up the Lee Zurich Wikipedia page. Yeah. Um, and 
I also now am in possession and have ownership of the Two Sorry Excuses theme song um, drafts. Now, so, now you just got them like yesterday. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've had them for about two weeks. In addition to finding the time to do something with them, I forget exactly what I am supposed to do with them. <laughs> uh, I think we discussed like we're gonna cut that first one a little bit. You know, I mean, uh, I mean the second one. The second one. But that's going to be the lead-in, I believe. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to edit it down so it's a manageable lead-in time. Yeah. Are we going to put Are we going to put lyrics over it? Uh, I don't know if we need to now. Okay. But eventually. Eventually. I mean, TV shows are always changing. You know, Drew Carey didn't always start off with Cleveland Rocks. I find that hard to believe. But it's a fact. Wow. Also, Happy Days didn't always start with Happy Days. It was Rock Around the Clock. It was Rock Around the Clock. Yep. Yep. So so we can always adapt. That's true. You know? But I do think we need to get the start start getting the music out of there just just for the hell of it. And I think we were gonna use um the the first one we we're gonna use for like our closing song, right? Yeah, that works for me. Yeah. I mean, he said he was going to send more, but he hasn't sent more since. But I, I like those two that we have, and I oh, really... Oh, I love those two we have. And I, I think, really like the second one. Yeah, the second one is... I love the first one because it was funky. But I didn't think it was lively enough for the intro. But, you know, the second one the second one's way more lively. But also, you think about the Jeffersons. The Jeffersons theme song was an upbeat, lively thing, but the you remember the closing of the Jeffersons? No, but I'm going to go have to look that up. I'm going to have to look it's, that up now. <laughs> Something like that. You know, it was more soulful and relaxed. You know, as opposed to the opening of Jefferson's, which everybody knows, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so wait, hold on a second. All right, let me... Um, I got you on headphones here so we don't get any feedback. I'm going to take the headphones off. All right, you can still hear me? Yeah. All right, very good. Hold on, let me turn you well, down. Well, reverb. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's because you're way too loud. All right. I'm way too loud. <laughs> uh, give me a second. All right, this is what we've got. This is what we got for the opening. All right, hold on. Let's let me. Uh, so this would this would be a, this would the opening, uh, the new opening to the show. Yeah. So somewhere in there, at this point, I'm going to have to edit it. You know, I'm going to have to kind of fade it down and we'd get in. Because yeah. we're at about 15 seconds. So i got to see where the guitar riff uh, ends up. Yeah, um, the sweet spot. Th- exactly. Um, and then you said the first one, which would be the Jefferson's closing. Um, so that, that's that got like, that's got kind of the a... Jefferson's closing. That's kind of got a rocky vibe. That's That reminds me of a uh, fish song uh, called... Um, Antelope. She's got okay. a, just got a like a you know real catchy guitar riff um, that could stand alone. But this this is the the more funky vibe. 
Yeah. So here we go. See, that's... And then it kind of repeats itself on like that. But uh, yeah, I think you're right, man. I think that's a great closing song. Yeah. All right, hold on. Let me put my headphones back on yeah, so I yeah. don't get any... Uh, be quiet. It's been a pretty good episode so far. We'll find a way to fuck it up in the next yeah, seven minutes. Yeah, you don't want to ruin it. Turn away all our new followers. All right, so, um, all right, so there we go. So that's what that's it. Although, I'll tell you what, man. We got a, I got a lot of good... She's, the reason we... we um, kind of opted for an intro is because it lets me get the episodes up faster. Because for those um, who haven't listened, every single episode starts with the same type of pattern. We, yeah. we use the, um, uh, what's it called, the um, emergency broadcast system, and we edit in clips from that particular show. So as you and I talk, this is kind of pulling back the curtain kind of deal. As you and I talk, I try to jot down funny sound bites that will be either inappropriate or out of context. So, for example, I don't remember what they are, but we've got I've got the ten minute mark. I've got the twenty four minute, twenty six, twenty seven. We must have been on a run there, forty nine yeah. and fifty one, and then we don't say anything funny again for until the hour and two minute mark. Um, but. You know, then I would go back. I would listen to them. I try to pull the funnier, funnier ones and and kind of drop them in. But that whole process takes a while because you gotta edit, you gotta let it, you know, kind of load up. You've gotta let it, you know. And to pull the curtain back a little bit further, it takes a longer time when when Sanders' self esteem is low and he thinks the show sucked. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which was the reason for the delay last week, was it not? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So the um we go through the same thing every week, you know. Thursday gets on us before we even know it. Yeah. And then we're like, shit. Oh, are you around? Yeah, 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 I'm around. Yeah. And then um I've been particularly busy the last couple weeks and yeah, it busy with quotes, meaning I just have to get up early. With so ALS walks right? exactly yeah. but back in the early days of the show i could be up till 12 one o'clock in the morning and, and typically i was yeah so i would try to kind of turn everything around in the same day and then publish it the next day um and when i'm jazzed about the show you know like tonight i'm gonna edit this and i'm gonna get this out tonight because um you know i'm feeling pretty good but you're absolutely right i can't find the exact uh the exact quote um, but if the show goes a couple days without being published, I'll get a text from Liv that says something like, um, yeah, about that show. Yeah. Well, cause last <laughs> week was the longest we ever waited. And, and when you told me that I was like, I couldn't believe that you didn't think it was that good because I thought it was a decent show. Yeah. Well, listen, I'll tell you what, at least 106 people, uh, a record 106 yeah. people uh, agreed with you. I mean, compared to the week before, yeah, I get it. But I think the week before might have been our best show ever. Uh, the Lawnmower Man, when we talked about cutting grass? Yeah, and, talk, <laughs> and I talked about 
I, mean, I think uh, it's the lawnmower man, the one I'm talking about, where I also talked about a lot of New Orleans stuff and yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah, the Circle K. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we yeah, did, we I, think, I think that might have been, in my opinion, that was, without even listening to it, that was one of the best episodes ever. Well, it's funny. because That's also because it played really well with people down here. Well, that's the thing. So since we've gotten such a spike in, in our downloads, um... You know, I'm curious to see who's downloading and who's listening, where they're coming from. But the problem yeah. is I had to, um, for financial reasons, I had to scale back on our hosting service. Okay. So the way it works is um, um, you you pay for like a uh, amount of space, whether it's 250 megabytes, 500 megabytes, etc. And every week... A show archives off. So I had to reduce it to the point where it's just enough to get us four shows being hosted simultaneously. But when you go to the lesser packages, you lose all like the reporting components and all the stats. Yeah. yeah. So now I only know how many people downloaded. I don't know where they're downloading it from, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, um, with that said, we still over the last, uh, like I said, last three weeks. Well, eventually, maybe we can make enough money where we can actually afford uh, the nice hosting services again. Or so, people, please click on our Amazon links. Head to two sorry excuses dot com. Everybody buys on Amazon. We don't even we do this for free because we love it. You know, like I'd never the public. I'd never ask anybody, you know, hey, donate a dollar for PayPal or, you know, keep us keep us afloat, whatever, because it only costs, you know, it's like this plan maybe costs us 15 bucks a month to host. Yeah, it. You exactly. know what I mean? No big deal. It's worth it for something you like. It's two less vodka grapefruits I have, you know, yes, but in, I mean, in a month. It's like, what do you spend money on stuff you enjoy? We enjoy this. Exactly. We enjoy but- people inflating our egos, telling <laughs> us how funny we are and how clever we are. <laughs> but you buy from Amazon anyway. Yeah. So go so ahead. Do it. Click on our banner. That'll set a cookie to your computer. And for 30 days, anything you buy from Amazon, yeah. we'll get a nice little penny for. And you know what? We'll both be happy. Yep. And you'll be happy, too, because... The, the shows will get better as there's more profit. Exactly. <laughs> we'll be able to bring on special guests, speaking of which. Yes, like like Pat Mulrennan, a.k.a. Fat Pat. So about Monday, I came up with the bright idea. And I'd actually been thinking about this for a while, but I, I of course I didn't pull the trigger. Um, Monday, I realized that Thursday was the NBA draft. And it's been so long since we've talked about Syracuse-related um, we've talked about Syracuse-related um, current events yes. that I thought it was time for us to let's okay. Everybody loves to hear about our you know our seersucker suits and our uh, and our Circle K jerks, but I mean, way more people rather hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> if if ratings are any indication, <laughs> like I said, we are huge. With old women and gay men. Yep. So, um, we, I sent Liv an email, a text and said, hey, let's see if we can get Fat Pat on, man. And let's get, uh, let's get some NBA chatter. But Pat works for the NBA, and this is 
this is akin to his Super Bowl. The NBA draft has to be the biggest event for the NBA. Well, I mean, this whole time, I think it's pretty hard for him with the finals having just been, you know, played, and then it goes right into the NBA, NBA draft. You know, and he's and that's what he deals with is the is the web contents, the website of everything. You know, making sure all the websites, and we're talking the international websites and everything. Everything's humming. You know. So you got to be really on top of that because a lot of their stuff is like the real-time statistics and this stuff being blended into like the social media feed. He was telling me about all these revolutionary new things they're doing, you know. So I, I'm sure you you don't get much sleep when it's this time of year that when the two most important things that happen in the league are going on. Yeah, totally. In the draft. Totally, but I know having caught up with him in New York a couple months ago when BP was in town, I know he's a big fan of the podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, I know he, he likes what we're doing, and I think he would appreciate coming on and chatting. Um, well, he said he would. So we're going to hook that up for hopefully next week. Yeah. So we're going to have a Syracuse. Uh, we will not have a golf bag for him, though. <laughs> but we may have some uh, souvenirs from the defunct Newark Bears baseball team. <laughs> <laughs> Can't promise of anything now. So keep downloading, folks. Keep coming back, and yep. we will and go over to the website. And you can see links and pictures and images, whatever your fancy is. You can see you can see what the three stages of uh, casual garden party weekend attire are. You gonna get all those up on? Uh, I have the three the pictures on the media library. You gonna throw them up, or you want me to? I can throw them up if you want. Yeah, go ahead. And uh, if you got time to write up a little, uh, uh, a little addendum to our conversation, although we did cover it for about forty-five minutes, so I don't. Yeah, imagine. I mean, I might just, I might just throw it up with just a little brief, you know, the three stages or whatever, you know, not, not go. Because uh, be honest with you, I can't remember everything we talked about. <laughs> Postcoital might be a little rough. <laughs> Uh, but I um, did put those pictures up there. I'm stream of consciousness, baby. I'm living in the now. Uh, uh, on that note, man, you got anything else? No, that's all, man. Uh, great stuff. Great stuff. All right, man. Well, then, with apologies to Girk's brother, we'll see you guys next week. Good night, Fredo.